Chapter Ten of On an Irish Jaunting Car Through Donegal and Connemara by Samuel Gamble Bain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Frank Lennon. Ballyshannon to Sligo. With a fresh horse, we started for Ballyshannon, some fifteen miles ahead of us. The surrounding country was interesting and appeared to be prosperous, containing many fine seats, the great feature of which was their magnificent timber. Ballyshannon seems a busy town with 2,500 inhabitants. Its castle, of which scarcely any traces remain, belongs to the O'Donnells and was the scene of a disastrous defeat of the English under Sir Converse Clifford in 1597. The castle was besieged with vigour for three days and an attempt made to sap the walls. But the garrison, having made a desperate sally, the English retreated in haste and, pursued by Hugh Roe O'Donnell, they lost a great portion of their force in an unsuccessful attempt to cross the urn. The two portions of the town, the lower one of which is called the port, are connected by a bridge of twelve arches, about four hundred yards above the celebrated falls, where an enormous body of water is precipitated over a cliff some thirty feet high and ten feet above high water, with a noise that is perfectly deafening. This is the scene of the salmon leap. The salmon that come down the river in the autumn return again in the spring months and this can only be accomplished by ascending the falls. Traps with funnel-shaped entrances are placed in different parts of the falls in which the salmon are caught and taken out for market as required. Between the traps are intervals through which the fish can reach the top of the falls by leaping and as at low water the spring is about sixteen feet the scene is singularly interesting. Below the falls is the island of Inish Samer, on which are buildings connected to the fishery. The fishery is very valuable and is owned by Messrs. Moore and Alexander. On the bridge is a tablet to William Allingham, 1824-1889, a native of Ballyshannon. I give Allingham's own description of his home. It can hardly be surpassed in the English language for simple, graceful, and yet direct diction. I also quote a few lines from a poem he wrote before he sailed for America. They are not Miltonian in their style, but Milton could not have touched the spot as he did. The little old town where I was born has a voice of its own, low, solemn, persistent, humming through the air day and night, summer and winter. Whenever I think of the town, I seem to hear the voice, the river which makes its rolls over the rocky ledges into the tide. Before spreads a great ocean in sunshine or storm. Behind stretches a many-islanded lake. On the south runs a wavy line of blue mountains, and on the north, over green rocky hills rise peaks of a more distant range. The trees hide in glens or cluster near the river. Grey rocks and boulders lie scattered about the windy pastures. The sky arches wide over all 
giving room to multitudes of stars by night and long processions of clouds blown from the sea but also in the childish memory where these pictures live to deeps of celestial blue in the endless days of summer an odd out-of-the-way little town ours on the extreme western verge of europe our next neighbours sunset away being citizens of the great new republic which indeed to our imagination seems little if at all farther off than england in the opposite direction adieu to ballyshannon where i was bred and born go where i may i think of you as sure as night and morn the kindly spot the friendly town where every one is known and not a face in all the place but partly seems my own there's not a house or window there's not a field or hill but east or west in foreign lands i recollect them still i leave my warm heart with you though my back i'm forced to turn so adieu ballyshannon and the winding banks of Erne. farewell culmore bundorn and your summer crowds that run from island homes to see with joy the atlantic setting sun to breed the buoyant salted air and sport among the waves to gather shells on sandy beach and tempt the gloomy caves to watch the flowing ebbing tide the boats the crabs the fish young men and maids to meet and smile from a tender wish the sick and old in search of health for all things have their turn and i must quit my native shore and the winding banks of Erne. near here are the ruins of kilbaron castle an ancient fortress of the o'clearies a family renowned in their day for their skills in science poetry and history of whom was father michael o'cleary the leader of the illustrious quartet of the four masters it stands on a precipitous rock at the very edge of the coast in the vicinity of ballyshannon can be seen ballymacward castle which was built during the famine in seventeen thirty nine this was the home of the colleen bon famous in song and story who was one of the folliot girls and eloped with willie riley now we are on the road to bundorn and we had hardly cleared the skirts of ballyshannon but it began to rain so hard that even had old noah been with us he could not have bragged much about the flood it came in at our collars and went out at our boots our new driver could not be induced to say a single word except yes or no he was neither a historian a botanist nor a geologist and he took no interest whatever in ruins but we forgave him for all these shortcomings for he drove his horse steadily onward through the torrent with an unswerving perseverance that covered a multitude of his sins when we arrived at bundorn's fashionable watering-place hotel the irish highlands the guests received us with shouts of laughter in which we good-humouredly joined 
no more weary pilgrims ever drew rein at inn in such a sorry plight our clothes were dried during the night and with a new steed we started for sligo it was clear weather and we had a pleasant ride along the coastline the feature of the day was skirting the base of ben bulban for about seven miles this is a most peculiar mountain almost eighteen hundred feet high its base starts in with patches of yellow and sage-green verdure then turns to streams of broken rocks from these regular pillars of stone start like the pipes of an organ which can be seen for fifty miles these again being covered by a flat crown of green growth the whole looks like a vast temple in india a large waterfall consisting of three separate cascades cuts its side and adds greatly to its beauty and attractiveness we passed through the village of drumcliffe situated on the bank of the river of the same name which here enters drumcliffe bay from glencar lake a monastery was founded here by saint columba the site for which was given in 575 and it was made into a bishop's see afterwards united to elfin this village was anciently called drumcliffe of the crosses and of the remains of these the great cross is a fine example it is thirteen feet high and three feet eight inches across the arms which are connected by the usual circular segments it is a hard sandstone and consists of three sections the base shaft and top it is highly sculpted showing human figures animals and fine interlaced scroll work there is also the stump of a round tower about forty feet high of rude masonry of the earliest group the door is square-headed six feet from the ground and the walls are three feet thick near drumcliffe was fought a great battle in 561 arising out of a quarrel over the possession of a copy of a latin psalter made by saint columba from one borrowed from saint finian of mouville saint finian claimed the copy and the case was brought before dermot king of meath who decided brehan fashion that as to every cow belongs its calf so to every book belongs its copy a judgment for which saint columba appealed to his tribe the party of saint columba was victorious three thousand of the men of meath being slain saint columba was advised by saint moles to go to scotland and convert the pagans as penance for the blood he had shed which he did and founded a monastery establishment in iona lord palmerston took a great interest in this part of the country laying out plantations in eighteen forty two and building a harbour which we saw from the car it cost him over twenty thousand pounds whilst riding along we noticed the tower on a distant hill and said to the driver is that a round tower yes sir are you sure it's a round tower yes sir i am it's square it is end of Ballyshannon to sligo